0: Welcome, menopause warriors! Come join us where few women have gone before. Our mission is to demystify the menopause journey. We seek to break through the stigma of getting older and provide our listeners with real solutions, support, and answers to give women the tools to live their healthiest, fullest lives.
1: Our guests include healthcare experts, educators, nutritionists, hormone specialists, cultural icons, and everyday amazing women. Come celebrate with us and learn the wonders of menopause.
0: Embrace the the heat Welcome menopause warriors today's episode is tales from the life of a menopausal woman we have back again chris ahmed she is our resident health educator she's from kaiser permanente she has worked in women's reproductive health over 20 years has her master's in public health and helps women face the menopausal transition with confidence and what we love most about chris is humor we also have five regular ordinary women who have agreed to talk openly with us today about their menopause journey. And we're hoping that they will help our listeners with their menopausal journey. And hopefully they will find comfort, um, some real solutions to embark on this journey as we want to do all of us, all women together. So we have five women. We're going to start today with Lori. And Lori, just tell us a little bit about what you have been through.
2: Yeah. Hi, I'm Lori. I'm currently 58ish, um, but right around 50 or even maybe before. I started um, probably my menopause journey with very bad night sweats, um, specifically when I drank, re- you know, I found when I drank red wine or had any kind of alcohol, um, that would probably on bring those on um, pretty heavily. Then after that, my skin started changing. Um, I call it alligator skin. Um, I had consistent weight gain. And then I noticed um, kind of a lot of, a lot more hair in my hairbrushes um, and probably... Probably around 53, I specifically was drying my hair one day and noticed that I had very thin hair on the top of the crown of my head. And that has started my hair journey, I'll call it, Um, trying to figure out ways to stop my hair loss um, through treatments, supplements, and anything else that I would be willing to hear educationally about uh, to stop that process. I will say out of all the symptoms I have with menopause, probably the hair loss is the most daunting and depressing and, uh, and frustrating.
3: I'm sorry, Lori, you're going through that. Um, you're definitely not alone. Uh, and especially with beginning your journey with the night sweats and very smart of, smart of you to connect it to the alcohol consumption because that is completely, completely in sync with a lot of women. Um, and yeah, it's just like this. It's this beautiful time, right? That we uh, gain a bunch of weight and lose a bunch of hair. It's like, what the
2: hell? <laughs> we'll yeah, what's skin. going on? <laughs>
3: yeah, it's like we're morphing into some strange caterpillar butterfly thing, but maybe opposite. Uh, <laughs> so um, so the, the hair loss is, is a result of the hormone changes, of course. Um, the hair loss that you're experiencing at the crown is um, actually called female pattern hair loss, uh, which similar to male pattern balding and stuff like that, which is, yeah, not, not fun. Uh, but other things I would say to look into in regards to hair loss, um, that can exasperate it in addition to the hormones is stress is a huge one. So all the typical stress reduction techniques, um, really paying attention to what, you know, what works for you for stress reduction and, um, you know, what's going on in your life, that kind of stuff can make a big difference. And sometimes we don't sink it to hair loss, right? We think, oh, I'll just put some special shampoo and, you know, it'll it'll be better. But it's it's very uh, much exasperated by stress.
2: And uh, can you tell me how does cortisol um, affect that as well? You know, when they take my blood and my cortisol levels are very high, is that directly
3: related to stress? cortisol levels are, are connected to our stress levels. That's a, that's a, yeah, reflection of what's going on inside your body with the stress. Yeah. Uh, something else to, to pay attention to is, um, nutrition because that also can have a connection to hair loss. And so, you know, sometimes we think we're having a great diet. I always think I have a great diet. And then when I sit and write down what I've eaten, I realize, hmm, maybe, maybe not so much. Maybe that box of, uh, Girl Scout cookies doesn't count as nutrition. <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So paying attention to yeah nutrition and logging, uh, logging, not so much calories. I don't think that that's w- w- the issue. It's the logging the types of food that we eat, just simply writing it down. There's a lot of research around that. They're simply writing down what we eat, we automatically start to eat better, right? Nobody wants to yeah write down the fact that they ate a box of Girl Scout cookies, right? So, um, so that could be one thing. And then the other thing to look into, Lori, is um, if there's any medications that you're taking that could be causing the hair loss too.
2: Yeah, I have a little bit of a double challenge because I am, I do have hy- thyroid disease, um, which is um, I'm hypothyroid, which is another consistent uh, symptom of hair loss and weight gain. So it's Mm -hmm. been very challenging to find a doctor that can regulate both and understand how they work together um, and how my medication for my thyroid has to work with my bioidentical hormones. So that has been another challenging journey because there's a lot of different um, opinions and doctors tackle those um, symptoms a lot differently. And so that's been really frustrating for me because you do, you get very opposite sides of the spectrum. One wants to keep giving you more medicine and then the other doctors want to reduce your medicine because they tell you you're over-medicated. So, you know, that's been very, very Mm -hmm.
3: difficult. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, exactly what you described, the the thyroid issues are very much connected with the hair loss and the weight gain, just like you said. Uh, and unfortunately, it can be difficult to treat the thyroid problems with also, you know, using the bioidenticals. And so I can see why your, your physicians that you're working with might want to try to tackle the thyroid, get that under control, and then maybe problem shoot the um, menopausal symptoms, because mm-hmm. it's hard to treat everything at once.
0: All right. Thank you so much, Lori. Really appreciate that. And I'm sure your story is going to resonate very loudly among a lot of our
4: listeners. Um, Our next great gal here is Irene. Hi, so I'm 53 years old. At about 42, I started experiencing the night sweats Lori was talking about. And then um at about 47, I lost my period. And then I started with the vagina dryness. So I um, spoke to my gynecologist who recommended lots of lubricants and to help. And I thought it worked okay for a little bit. And then um, it was still painful to have sex. It was just not um, comfortable at all. And I was not even quite 50. So it was embarrassing and hard to talk about. But um, then she recommended I try some hormone type creams. But I was a little bit nervous because my grandmother on my mother's side had died of breast cancer. My mother had had a double mastectomy, not because she had breast cancer, but she had abnormal cells. And that was kind of the thing I guess they did. So I was still a little bit nervous. So um I kind of was the problem with the gynecologist is she didn't explain the whole situation to me. I think if she had explained it a little bit better, I might have not been so nervous to start the hormones. So anyway, she did then recommend a procedure called the Mona Lisa, which is not cheap. And I did it two times thinking that that would help. Um, but it didn't at all just cost a lot of money. So um, continue to be in pain and to so much pain and so much dryness that even daily activities like walking, playing tennis weren't so extremely painful. I even used Aquaphor because I was in so so dry and I didn't know what to do. Finally, I listened to my friend here, and she told me to go to a different gynecologist who was more of an expert on uh, menopause, and who has actually prescribed this magical cream that um, has changed my life. And um, I'm now a new person. So now I'm 53. It's been a 10 year process, and I'm finally feeling feeling a lot better.
3: Mm. Irene, so brave of you to to share your story and something that I know many many women can relate to. I'm sorry that it took you 10 years to to figure this out. That's that's not okay. This this is something that I'm uh, very passionate about. The fact that you know we're we all seem to be figuring it out all on our own, right? Our own little silos. And um, you know, some providers are great and knowledgeable and get us right on track. And then others we have to like hunt down and um, you know figure this out. And I hear time and time again, my girlfriend suggested blah blah blah, right? And then that puts us on the right track. Oh my gosh, our, if, what would we do without our girlfriends? <laughs> our friendships, right? They they are, they are everything. Um, yes, painful sex, uh, vaginal dryness, unfortunately, is very much connected to uh, menopause. Um, so sometimes, in addition to painful sex, it can be itchy um, as well. And so we do want to pay attention to things like, you know, the t- uh, types of underwear we're wearing. Is it cotton? Is it breathable? Um, are we working out and then continuing to sit in our <laughs> yucky, sweaty workout clothes for a little too long? Um, what types, you know, are we using fabrics? softener, those types of things. No, we shouldn't be using any soaps or douches. God, I don't even know how that stuff is still being sold. But anyway. um, So that's one part of it. And then the painful sex, I mean, that's like a whole nother, you know, area that's so makes us so vulnerable, too, because now we're involving another person in a very intimate moment. And, you know, having those conversations, sometimes partners are the ones that inform us of our vaginal dryness, like we might not even be having pain associated. And then our partner all of a sudden is like, "Uh, what's going on down there? And then they take it personally, like, I guess I'm not doing it for you. But (laughs) it's just all, (laughs) you know, part of part of the process. unfortunately. So so vaginal moisturizers can be a great option. And um, a lot of those are over the counter, but definitely encourage women to talk to their providers and somebody they feel comfortable with. The vaginal estrogens, um, I can understand your hesitancy of, you know, with the family history of breast cancer and stuff like that. And and I know a lot of women are understandably terrified of, of cancer period, but Especially breast cancer, and um, we've been told over and over again that you know it's uh, often connected to the hormones. There is a lot of research, though, showing that the that how incredibly safe the vaginal estrogens are because so little of the actual hormone gets into our bloodstream. It really just kind of plumps up the skin down there. Now everybody's different. If you know if somebody has a personal history with um, breast cancer or you know one degree of separation, things like that, that understandably might not be an option for them. so of course to to talk to providers but the obgyn who i co-teach our menopause class with she always says every woman should be on a vaginal estrogen like that's like your initiation into me- you know perimenopause welcome to perimenopause you get a vaginal estrogen it's like you know oprah throwing out the vaginal estrogens <laughs> so not everybody would agree with that but um yeah so that could be helpful and the mona lisa good for you for trying it i i've I keep hearing about the Mona Lisa, but I haven't actually talked to anybody who's given it a go. So I'm sorry it didn't work though. (laughs) That's a, that's a bummer.
4: Well, it's an interesting procedure because I guess they, it's a probe that then um, does little micro tears up your vagina wall. So you're you're numbed up when you do it. And then supposedly it's supposed to, as it heals, kind of create this um, new blood flow and all that kind of stuff, but it didn't really work.
3: Such a bummer. Um,
0: Chris, can you talk to, cause I know we've talked about this on the podcast with you, you know, the whole, you know, if you don't, if you don't use it, you lose it. The, actually the, the vaginal dryness and the pain during sex can actually start, the vagina can start to close up.
3: Yes, absolutely. Um, unfortunately. So yeah, so we need to, to maintain the, in- Integrity and um, structure of the vaginal walls. We do have to have either penetrative sex or using a, a dildo or a vibrator or um, uh, dilators. Things like that can be helpful. So we don't even have to have a partner. <laughs> we can do this all all ourselves. But it it is um, it is one of those things that we we do lose the the elasticity um, in our vaginas if we aren't you know, using them, unfortunately. And I think also one thing that's under, um, discussed is pelvic physical therapy, too, can be also very helpful with all of this. Um, So if you're having pain down there to not just discount that there's something else going on, and there's women there's sorry, there's there's providers who specialize in working with women in their pelvic health. And so that's something that you could seek out additionally as well.
0: And can you also just talk, Chris, a little bit about just that, like the whole mental anguish that a woman goes through with not being able to have Sex with their husband, their partner, you know. And, and, you know, I know that you probably see a lot of your patients and people that come in that have that um, Mm -hmm. struggle.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. There's nothing worse than, you know, not wanting to share that with your with your partner and being afraid that when they start touching you and all that it's going to hurt. I mean that's awful. How how could we get turned on when there's this lingering fear there of that it's going to be painful and then everything that goes with it right of of they, they might take it personally and then we feel bad and right, all of it. So it's so important to communicate this, communicate about all of these things with our partners. We can't go through this menopausal journey alone. We really need to be educating men and, and our partners along with ourselves, right? They, they need to understand what's going, going on as well. That maybe in our twenties, you know, we, they could, you know, throw us down and and you know have a romantic moment or whatever. But you know, it might take We're some one. time now. No. To- what the? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I might have watched too much, too many movies. <laughs> That's
0: Outlander. You've been watching Outlander. Yes,
3: that that is true. I do. I do love Outlander. <laughs> um, but now we need, you know, we need some time. We need to be wined and dined, and we need to feel good about ourselves. We might need some candlelight to. You know, feel attractive, and um, you know, especially if we've ha- experiencing weight gain and hair loss and lizard skin, right? Is that what you called it, Lori? <laughs> like,
4: I mean,
2: alligator skin. Alligator skin. Oh, <laughs> it's all God. the
3: same. Yeah, and so it's gonna take. It's gonna take some time, and it's gonna take us. Feeling, uh, sexy and being able to be vulnerable with our partners in these ways that maybe even partners we've been with for decades, right? They, we still have this whole new level that we haven't, some of us haven't gone down this path with. So taking time, you know, using lubrication, using toys, if you, you know, need to spice things up a little, a little bit to help you get there. Um, all of that is okay.
1: Okay, and then next, we're going to hear from Susan.
5: I'm Susan. I'm 56. And when I was 47 years old, is when I started menopause. And at the age of 48, my father passed away. Um, Luckily, my doctor was also my husband's doctor. And the reason she prescribed me something called paroxetine. And it was she said there was no way she was going to do this to my husband, because I was crying all the time. I was having severe hot flashes. And she wanted to make sure that our homeless life stayed happy. So uh, at the age of 48, I went on paroxetine. And I feel kind of lucky because I haven't lost any hair. I don't have any issues with vaginal dryness. It helped with my um, hot flashes. It helped with my anxiety. It helped with being unhappy because I just lost my father. So I feel very lucky that she got me on this medication. And again, it's eight years later and I'm still on the medication because my kids have gone off to college. So they're keeping these reasons why she wants to keep me on it. And I would have to say my question would be how long is too long? Um, again, it's doing what she wanted it to do. But I'm kind of at the place where I feel like I just need to get off of it. So how long is too long to be on a medication like paroxetine?
3: first of all, I'm very sorry for your loss. Um, and this this is another thing I hear over and over again is not only are we going through this change, but we're going through this change at a time when we're experiencing things like death of a parent or taking care of a parent, uh, our children going off to college, going through, you know, job changes or we're at the height of our career, which can be stressful, right? It's just going to exasperate all of this stuff, which is not fair. Um, SSRIs can be fabulous for for helping with a lot of these things. But of course, there's always trade offs, right? So they're very effective um, in helping with hot flashes and mood, uh, which was is very common to experience during this time. But then the negatives are that sometimes women experience nausea, nausea, dizziness, insomnia, Sexual problems, right? It can be difficult to become aroused when we're on SSRIs or um, reach orgasm, or the orgasm might not be as intense. And so there are, you know, things that we need to consider. Um, as far as, you know, going on it, or, or have you been on it too long or, or how you know, go off of it and all of that, that's a, a harder one to answer in a more general term. So I would encourage you and anybody else um, who's on these medications to, you know, talk to your providers about it. But if you're feeling like, okay, I'm, you know, I've, I've gone through this, you're, you're a few years out now from menopause, you're likely gonna be past the hardest part of the, it's that perimenopause time that tends to really kick up um, the hormone levels that become so erratic that cause a lot of these symptoms that really, thank goodness, settle down a few years after we stop getting our period. So hopefully you're in the clear of that. And this might be a good time to start approaching going off of it. And with any SSRIs or antidepressants or anything like that, for sure want to go off of it with a Um, with the doctor's guidance, because we know that the consequences of going off of it quickly, or suddenly, or, you know, on our own, um, that could really be detrimental for a lot of people. So you're going to want to taper off and have a plan.
0: Chris, do you see more people being prescribed, you know, either bioidenticals, Or the drugs like Susan was on, like I was on, I did did a Paxil myself, like we've spoke about that on the episodes, like I did not even bioidenticals was not even introduced to me or discussed by the three different gynecologists I went to. Um, And again, Paxil was great for me. I, you know, it worked for me for the year, same thing as Susan, my mom was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer, and it just put me over the edge with the hot flashes and stuff. So it was it helped me a lot, but I didn't actually like being on. It, so I ended up going off of it, but. The thing with the SSR inhibitors is that it it doesn't help us as women, you know, with our osteoporosis and, you know, preventing Alzheimer's and all the stuff that the estrogen or, or the creams or anything like that can. And so I I just can you speak a little bit to that? Do you see do you see more people maybe on both like both, we could have been doing both Susan and I, you know, where we just kind of got one thing that was prescribed to us that did work. I don't want to, you know, poo poo that at all. It did work. But I I, do see a change in how women are being prescribed medications.
3: What I am seeing a difference in is that the there was a really there is a really bad rap around hormones, right? For many 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 years now, um, given the menopause, the National Health Initiative did, and actually that might not be the accurate name, so <laughs> I need to go back to that one. um So the big study that was done in two thousand and one that showed that women. Um, should not be on hormones, and everyone was taken off of it, and you know it became just like the the thing not to do. It was too scary, right? Could lead to cardiac um, disease and disease and or er, stroke, all of that. So that study though has been redone, and it's it was very flawed because women were much older. Um, the majority of women were much older on that. And long story short, they've redone it and shown that if you are choosing to be on hormone therapy for a short amount of time um, before the age of sixty, that it It really is safe. So I want to get that out. So because of that news coming out um, and the overwhelming support around it, that women are now starting to be prescribed hormone therapy much more than they were you know, even just five or 10 years ago. So that's something I'm seeing more of. And I think people were being prescribed antidepressants more to help with the symptoms because there weren't as many options. When hormone therapy was taken off the table, there weren't as many options, right? But now it's back on. However, there's still a lot of education that needs to be done because there's this fear of of hormone therapy from the majority of of women and um, we need to Kind of re-educate everyone on this issue. Um I do want to speak about the bioidenticals though, because there's a lot of sometimes confusion about bioidenticals compared to hormone therapy. So hormones in a product are chemically identical to those in our that our body produces. That's what a bioidentical is, right? It's just taking 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 a product that, that our body produces um it's taking um, chemicals that our body produces and putting it in a product to make us feel better. So So the marketers of some of these custom compounded treatments refer to it as bioidenticals, but the FDA also approves products that are chemically identical to those in our bodies, but they don't use that term bioidentical. So hormone therapy that you be prescribed maybe by your OBGYN, for example, that is a bioidentical, except it is is regulated and what you're going to get in that pill, every single pill in that jar, and the next time you fill the prescription is going to be exactly the same right now there's some really good companies and and uh, pharmacies that do compounding and, and make bioidenticals and they do an excellent job with it and there's others that need the, you know it's not regulated by the fda and so you're not going to get a consistent dosage in each one so i just want people to be aware of what's out there and to not be afraid to at least have the conversation with your provider about hormone therapy and what that might look like for you
6: okay how about we hear from mina well, hello, ladies. My name is Mina, and you guys have already addressed so much of what I've gone through. Um, I started in my late 40s, started noticing a difference in my periods and being irritable. And of course, you chalk that up to being on your period. But my body started to change. And as someone that's been in the fitness arena and been very in tune with healthy eating and I'm a yoga teacher and things like that hit me doubly hard of what's going on. So, as you were saying our girlfriends are a great source of information right now. I turned to my mother thinking, "Well, surely it's going to be just the same as my mother." And she said, "Oh, I had no problem whatsoever in menopause. Don't even remember going through it. I don't I you shouldn't have any problems whatsoever." So, I had that little freak out moment, okay? I, I should be fine, but I'm not fine. And I I felt like every time I went to my doctor and said something, it was, Oh, do you, do you want an antidepressant? Well, no, I would like some tools. So it took research. You know, Google becomes a friend. And so I started having these just horrific night sweats, and I would wake up just soaked, completely soaked bed sheets, t shirt, everything soaked. And thought, okay, this is just a way of life. I just will never sleep again. And I will have a constant hot flash wherever I go. And it gets embarrassing. I don't know if you ladies experience this where you would be somewhere and all of a sudden there's that flash of sweat across your face. And and it would really be an embarrassment with the, you know, sweat beads on the top lip and everything. And when it starts to move into just everyday life with lack of sleep, irritability, And then no matter how hard you work out, um, that bloating feeling stayed with me. And I thought, okay, I just turned 52 this year. I'm just going to have to, okay, I'm in my 50s, things change. All right. But I don't think they have to change so much. Maybe I'm wrong in that. But I've been trying to do things as natural as possible. I've been doing supplements. And you hit on something that I struggled with, which was the hormone hormone. Therapy, uh, because everything that was told to me was that it was a bad thing to do. And so you've actually relieved some. Fears that I've had, and I feel the night sweats have lessened. Um, the irritability still there. Um, my hair has th- started to thin, which you know then comes. It becomes very emotional because if you were always a head full of thick hair and very active, and you know now your skin is alligator skin, and we must. <laughs> use lotion and oil and um, constantly and dry, brittle nails, which was something new for me. Mm. My father is Iranian, so I have a Middle Eastern uh, heritage, which is very oily skin and, and never had a need for the products that I need right now. So my... Not fear, but I guess question is, so I've been dealing with this for about four years now. And so we know my mother must have been a freak of nature if she said, oh, no problem whatsoever. I, there's different links for this. And I mean, are we ever at some point in time going to say, oh, I feel great. This is awesome. I mean, aren't we supposed to reap some rewards in old age? What's what's happening? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah. <sighs> Thank you for sharing, Mina. Um, I think, yeah, many people can relate to what you're going through too. Especially the fact that so many of our moms have no memory of going through this. What is that?
6: What is? I (laughs) understand childbirth. I get that you get this wonderful little person, but this, no, this isn't fun. Yeah, my mom was like, I don't remember having a problem, and I'm like, I
3: remember you going through this (laughs) as a teenager. Like, I, you know, this. Anyway, yeah, it's interesting. We we tend to block these things out, so. Maybe, maybe that's something to look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> it is, it can be a long process for some of us. Um, perimenopause, that time leading up until we stop getting our period, which is then menopause, that can last anywhere from a couple years to sometimes a decade for some women. I know, I know, that's so hard to hear. Um, So, in, but the good news is, is that the majority of women, the vast majority of women, once they get through, you know, they'll have a whole year, no period, and then they're, they're, their hormones are going to settle down. It might still take a couple of years where things are kind of fizzling out. They're still getting the hot flashes. That's the one that tends to linger is the hot flashes. So a couple years out from menopause, most women are like in the clear, they're living life. There's so many studies showing that happiness starts just to go up and up and up and up and up. There's a great um, study out there called the, the you happiness curve. And it's been was shown done over, um, I think over like 55 countries and they showed that they rated happiness throughout our lifetime and people were the happiest in their late teens, early twenties. And then it just kind of kept going down and down and down as we got older and we bottom out in our mid forties and late forties. I'm like, so right where, <laughs> you know right where I am. Um, and it's so sad to look at this. But then we turn that corner, that U you, that you corner, and we just go up and up and up and up. And then we are the happiest again in our late 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to the upswing. Yay. Yes. So that's, yes, that's something. So it is going to end occasionally, you know, it's, it's, there are some, some women who have lifelong hot flashes. They do tend to get better, even those, the, those of us that have them forever, but, um, they do tend to get better. And, you know, and it, it's unlike puberty, cause this is so much connected to like right when we, when we went through puberty, unlike puberty, we have all this wisdom now and experience and, you know, the ability to, uh, message our doctors and say, help. <laughs> We all, you know, call our girlfriend and say, come over for a glass of wine. I need to commiserate about my, you know, bloating and <laughs> hot, my night sweats is like night sweats that kept me all up all night. Now I'm irritable and screaming at my children and you know, it's all connected. So hopefully we can get through this uh, together. We, I will say we need more research on this topic. Women's health has been ignored for so long. And it's crazy. It's unbelievably crazy to me that a third of the population is is in menopause at all times, <laughs> pretty much for a female, the female population. And yet we know so little about it. And it's so trial and error for each and every one of us. And there's not this like, you know, path that we could just be put on. And like, this is, you know, what we're going to do for you. And in two years, you're going to expect this. And, and then you're going to get through it. Like, there, there's just so many unknowns. Um, and we're just trying to figure it out together. And that's that's not fair. That's not fair.
2: I agree. It's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> that's we've, we being in year eight it's not fair no it's not and you know we, we've tried so
0: hard with this podcast you know we don't want to never to be a man bash or anything but we've said over and over again if this if men went through menopause there would be a pill one pill that was already you know designed and manufactured and passed by the fda <laughs> so it is time but it, it's time and we're hope and you know chris you have said before to us that things are changing and That is where it seems like women's health is going. So it's we're we're hopeful that you know, Mina, your your story, Lori's story, Susan's story, Irene's story, all of our stories will be that of the you know warriors that we are that forged this path for the women. You know, our daughters. You know that that are coming up, our nieces. So Tammy is our producer. I would love for her to go next. She has been sitting in (laughs) in this journey laughing while she's muted half most of the time. So we're going to hear from Tammy today. Hi guys, my name's Tammy and I'm 54 years old. I have had a lot of uh, menopause symptoms over the last uh, year or so. Uh, most markedly, uh, hot flashes, irritability, and the weight gain uh, are the are the main ones. Um, I know what I should be doing is uh, adopting a vegan diet and cutting out alcohol and sugar and caffeine. However, um, that's proven very hard for me. <laughs> um so I've been taking a lot of uh supplements that I found online and I was just wondering what your thoughts are about these online herbal supplements and um as opposed to bioidenticals.
3: That's a good question. Um so this the some supplements can be great and a lot of women rave about them and they they give uh, provide a lot of relief, right? But I don't think we need to every try every single supplement that we hear about either. Sometimes there's that placebo effect too, that we try something we're like, Oh my God, it's great. But then the studies show that it actually doesn't really help with that thing that you're taking it for. But Hey, if you're feeling great, go for it. I mean, what's why not? Um, So I think it's it's good to try things. Um, there are, you know, definitely could be benefits, uh, for a lot of these, these different things to help with stress, to help with, uh, skin and vaginal dryness and, and all of that. Uh, I do think every woman should be taking calcium at this stage. Cause once we go through menopause, uh, we, we really don't absorb calcium like, like we used to. And so really, really important to be taking calcium and vitamin D to help with the absorption of that. So that's, that's a for sure, um, Another thing I really want to highlight that can be helpful is um, alternative medicine like acupuncture, for example, can be very successful in helping deal with a lot of these symptoms. And so if you're not afraid to try it or you tried it, that could be a great thing. And a lot of things that we've talked about already too, the you know, yoga, meditation, meditation, um, can be helpful with with a lot of the symptoms, making sure we're exercising. Even just myself today, I was feeling so down this morning. I was like, what is happening? I felt like this gigantic cloud hanging over me and I called my best friend and we were chatting. It's always the friends, right? And she's like, when's the last time you exercised? And I was like, oh yeah, I've been too busy this week. I haven't, I haven't done anything. And so I jumped on my bike and I feel great now. <laughs> so it's like, sometimes we just need those little reminders of in figuring out what works for us, too. Um, I have to comment though, Tammy, when you mentioned the weight gain around the middle, because I can see all of you every single I think every single one of you looked at your stomachs and we're like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. the, mid, the midlife we muffin did. top. <laughs>
0: I mean, that's really where it comes because you just think, how how can I not, how can I cannot pull myself together? Like, what am I in like, Your body's falling. You feel like your body's falling apart. I used to say a lot and it, it, that it doesn't feel like my body, that I'm not actually in my own body. And that was really sad for me. And I was, you know, exercising and doing everything that I thought I should be doing, but that was, that was the struggle and the hard part. So thank you, ladies, each and every one of you for being here. Chris, thanks for helping us. And, you know, and and speaking so clearly, and to each point that everyone had, and I really appreciate everyone being here and just talking about your, you know, it's very personal. And so I appreciate that. But I believe that if we do not as women come together and speak up and you know, tell our personal stories. Uh, this, it, it, our daughters will go through the same thing. It will be it'll be us that has to push this forward. So, you did a good thing today, ladies. Thank you so much for being with us. Sj, do you have any ask for anybody? What do you got to
1: say? Oh well, I'm just listening throughout this podcast. I find it very interesting that. Everyone, including Chris, has said that there needs to be much more research for us, and I—that's uh, how I feel about that. But I can't say that, like um, Dr. Mueller, uh, Dr. Funk. It's very interesting because I have a feeling the people who will be doing that research is us, and our moms helped us be able to go to school and be what we wanted to be, and even with Christine Funk and how she got to be where she is. So I feel like those women, those doctors, those researchers are going out there and seeking for us. And that makes me feel good because I definitely don't want a man researching this. That's what I got.
6: Agree. That's what right. I got. I mean,
0: or, oh, <laughs> that's what i to say. All right, well, thank you very much. <laughs> well, again, thank you, ladies. Thanks for listening to Some Like It Hot podcast and embrace the heat woo woo some <music> like a hi